In this recording, we're going to look at an idea from the Binyan Shlomo. He found in the Vilna Gaon a very original and beautiful idea to explain what happened on that first Yom Kippur. So we're going to go through that idea and some of the results of that. But before we get there, we're going to go through the major approaches and the commentators to understand the timeline of events leading up to that first Yom Kippur in Jewish history, right after the Jews had done the sin of the gold. So the standard timeline is given by Rashi and his commentary on Shmos Lamed Gimel Yud Aleph. And the way Rashi sets up the timeline is that on Shiv Asar Betamuz, Moshe came down. So that was 40 days after he had gone up to get the Torah. He went up on the 7th of Sivan, the day after Shavuos. And then 40 days later, he came down. He saw the golden calf. So that was on the 17th of Tammuz and broke the Luchos. So that's one of the reasons why on that day we fast because it was the day when Moshe broke the Luchos. Then on the 18th, so the next day, he started dealing with the sinners. So he burned the Egel and he judged the sinners. And then on the 19th, the day after that, he went back up to pray for the Jewish people. That's what the Torah in Shmos is referring to when it says, Vayhimi machras, vayomer Moshe el ha'am, that the next day, meaning the 19th of Tammuz, Moshe went up to pray. And he was up there for 40 days praying. So that's what the Torah in Devarim Tess is referring to that Moshe says that he prayed for 40 days. And that brings us to Rosh Chodesh Elul. So Rosh Chodesh Elul was a very momentous day because that's when Moshe was told to return up to heaven for the third time now. So he had gone up the first time to get the first Luchos on Shavuos. Then he had gone up the second time to pray for repentance. And then he went up the third time beginning on Rosh Chodesh Elul to get the second set of luchos. And again, he was up there for 40 days. Each of the times that he goes up to heaven is 40 days. And this is what the Torah in Devarim Yud is referring to. I went up the third time like the first time. So the first and the third times Moshe went up for positive reasons. Hashem was happy with the Jews and he was trying to give them the Torah. But the implication is that there was another time that Moshe went up, which was the middle time. And then it was a less happy occasion because Hashem was angry because the Jews had sinned and Moshe went up to plead on their behalf. So even though the Torah never explicitly mentions this middle going up, the Torah only refers to the first time Moshe went up and the third time Moshe went up. But Rashi reads into this Pasuk that there was a middle time that Moshe went up, which was for a less happy and angry occasion to beg Hashem to forgive the Jews. So now the third time that Moshe goes up begins on Rosh Chodesh Elul and 40 days later is the 10th of Tishrei. So that is the day of the final forgiveness when Hashem finally is totally resolved with the Jewish people. On the 10th of Tishrei, Hashem fully accepted the Jews back with happiness and a full heart. And he told Moshe, 
I forgive the Jews, and he gave him the Luchos, and Moshe went down on that day, the 10th of Tishrei, and he gave the Jews the Luchos, and he started commanding them about the building of the Mishkan. So that is the standard timeline that Rashi presents, and according to this version, so that first Yom Kippur was significant because it was the day when Hashem finally atoned and took the Jewish people fully back. So that's why we commemorate that day every day because it has a very special power on that day. That is a day of atonement and forgiveness. That is a day when Hashem is willing to forgive and overlook the sins that we've done, assuming we do tshuva. So that's why we celebrate Yom Kippur every year and try to tap into that energy. Now, Rashi and Dvarim Tes Yudches repeats the same basic timeline, but with one small difference that he changes one of the days. So in Shmos, he said that Moshe went back up the second time on the 19th of Tammuz, and then he came back on Rosh Chodesh Elul and went back up that day. But in Dvarim, Rashi says it, that Moshe came down on the 17th, and then he went back up the next day on the 18th. So instead of going up the second time on the 19th of Tammuz, in Dvarim, Rashi has it that he went up on the 18th of Tammuz, which means that he came back on the 29th of Av, and then the next day, Rosh Chodesh Elul, Hashem summoned him back up for the third time. So that's why Rosh Chodesh Elul and the whole month of Elul is a very significant period because it wasn't just Yom Kippur, it wasn't just the Aseris Yimei Tshuva, it was the whole 40-day period leading up to there, beginning with Rosh Chodesh Elul, all of that was significant in terms of the process of atonement. But there was a difference between Elul and Yom Kippur. So the Re'em explains that at the beginning of Elul, Hashem agreed to give the Jews the Luchos again. So there was a certain forgiveness in terms of giving the Luchos, but he did not forgive the sin of the Egel until Yom Kippur. So that's why we recreate this schedule every year that Elul begins the process of atonement, but it's not as powerful as the day of Yom Kippur itself because that first year, that was the actual day that Hashem agreed to forgive them. And that's how Rashi writes in Dvarim, that's why every year we consider Yom Kippur a powerful day of forgiveness and atonement because that was the day after the Chet Egel when Hashem agreed to forgive them. And this is the basic timeline that the Ramban also accepts in his commentary on Shmos Lamed Gimel Zion. And he points out a similar point to Rashi that even though the Torah does not explicitly mention that Moshe went up a third time, meaning the second time in the middle, it only refers to the first and the third times, but there has to be a middle time because in Dvarim Tess, Moshe keeps talking about how he went up and he begged Hashem to forgive the Jews and that cannot be the third time he went up beginning on Rosh Chodesh Elul because at that point Hashem had already agreed to give him the second Luchos so that was a happy going up so the time that's referred to in Dvarim Tess when Moshe went up apprehensively to beg and plead on behalf of the Jews, that must be a separate time that he went up. And the only way to fit that in is to say that he went up in the 40 days in the middle between the 18th of Tammuz and Rosh Chodesh Elul. He went up for 40 days 
to beg on behalf of the Jewish people. So the Ramban agrees with Rashi for the same basic reasons that the first and the third times were more happy. Moshe went up to get the Luchos and the one in the middle was apprehensive to plead the case of the Jewish people. Now, this basic timeline comes from the Midrashim in the Medrash Tanhuma and Shmos Lamed Aleph and the Seder Olam, which is an early Medrash that goes through a timeline of history. So in Perak Vav, he gives this basic approach that Moshe went up three times. So the general idea that even though the Torah only refers to two times that Moshe went up, he actually went up a third time in the middle comes from those traditions in the Medrash. Now, Tosos and Babakama Pei Bezim and Aleph also accepts the basic idea of Rashi and the Ramban, but he adds a few more details. The Gemara there says that Moshe attributed the sin of the Chet Egel to the fact that the Jews had not studied Torah for three days. So he instituted weekly Torah readings in order to never have a situation where people go three days without hearing the Torah read. So he instituted public Torah readings on Monday morning, Thursday morning, and Shabbos. So there's never a three-day period without laning. So Tostos asks, why did they choose specifically Monday and Thursday as opposed to any other days of the week? They could have done a Monday-Wednesday schedule or some other schedule. So he quotes a medrash that when Moshe went up the third time on Rosh Chodesh Elul, it was a Thursday. And when he got the Luchos on Yom Kippur that year, it was a Monday. So the two auspicious dates of the third time Moshe went up began on a Thursday and ended on a Monday. So because we're commemorating that whole season, what happened that year, so Monday and Thursday are also auspicious days each week. And says Tosvos, that's why people fast on Monday and Thursday. So if there's a Bahab fast, or certain pious people would fast every Monday and Thursday because those are auspicious days. And that's also why we have an extra long tachanun on those days because those are powerful days of prayer. So that's why we have laning specifically on Monday and Thursday. So now Tosos asks, if he went up on Monday morning and he came back on a Thursday morning, 40 days later, so it's missing a night. It was not a full 40 days and nights. It was a full 40 days, but it's missing a night. It was only 39 nights. Says Tosos, that's okay. It just has to be around the 40-day period, but it does not have to be exactly 40 days and nights. It's okay if it's missing a night. And the proof for this, says Tosvos, is because if we go through this Seder Olam timeline, which is the timeline that Rashi gives us, so we'll see that it's missing a night. Because according to that timeline, he went up on the 7th of Sivan. Now the printed Tosvos says the 6th of Sivan, but it's an error the Rashash changes it to the 7th of Sivan. So the first time he went up the 7th of Sivan and came back the 17th of Tammuz. So that's 40 days and nights. Then the second time he went up on the 18th of Tammuz. So that's like Rashi and Devarim said. And he came back on the 29th of Av. So again, that's a full 40 days and nights. But the third time he goes up on the 30th of Av, which is Rosh Chodesh Elul, and he comes back on the 10th of Tishrei. So that's only 39 nights. It's not a full 40 days and nights. It's 40 days missing one night. 
says Tosos, we see from the Seder Olam that it doesn't matter. It does not have to be a full 40 days and nights. It could be 40 days missing one night. Now, Tosos adds, unless we say that Elul that year was a full month, so it was a 31-day month, not a 30-day month. So then there would be a full 40 days and nights between Rosh Chodesh Elul and Yom Kippur. So Tosos is not entirely sure on this point. Was Elul that year a missing month? It was only 30 days. Or was it a full month of 31 days? And that would impact exactly how long Moshe was up that third time. Now, Tosos continues, if we say that he was only up the third time for 40 days missing a night, so that's why when Moshe compares the third time he was up there, this is the Pasuk that Rashi mentioned, I was on the mountain the third time like the first time, says Tosfos, notice that Moshe only compares the days, Kayamim Harishonim. Because the nights were not exactly the same. The first time he was up there for a full 40 nights. The third time he was only up there for 39 nights. So that's why he only compares the days and not the nights. Now, Tosos raises the issue that Rashi already used this Pasuk to learn that there was a middle time that Moshe went up. There was a third time that he went up in the middle because it compares the first and the third to each other, that they were both for happy things as opposed to the middle one when Hashem was angry. So how do we learn out this business with the yamim that we're comparing days if we're already using this pasuk for a different correlation? Says Tosvos, even though we need to learn out from this Pasuk the middle time that Moshe went up, but the fact that the Torah stresses the Yamim, so we can learn out this additional detail as well, that the third time there were not a full 40 nights, only 39. So according to Tosvos, we can learn out both of these details from that Pasuk. Now he questions because the Torah in Shmos Lamedalid Chavches says that Moshe was with Hashem 40 days and 40 nights, and that's talking about the third time he went up. So that goes against Tosos's whole theory that the third time it was only 39 nights. Here the Torah says explicitly that it was 40 nights. Says Tosvos, that Pusuk is actually talking about the second time Moshe went up. So even though the Torah never explicitly talks about that second time he went up, but according to Tosvos, this Pusuk is telling us that he was up there praying for 40 days and 40 nights. And even though the next Pusuk says that he got the Luchos, says Tosvos, that's going to the third time he went up. So we have to sort of chop up this Pasuk. The first part is talking about the second time Moshe went up. And the second part of the Pasuk where he gets the Luchos is referring to the third time that Moshe went up. So this is some of the additional details that Tosvos provides for Rashi's timeline. But now at the end, Tosvos raises a very big issue. There is a debate between Rabbi Yossi and the Rabbanan on Shabbos Pezayin Amudbez, what day Rosh Chodesh Sivan was the year of the giving of the Torah. So the giving of the Torah, Shavuos, was on Shabbos. The question is, was that the 6th or the 7th of Sivan? So according to Rabbi Yossi, Rosh Chodesh Sivan that year was on Sunday, and the giving of the Torah was on Shabbos, the 7th of Sivan. 
Says Tosos, if we go through the calendar according to Rabbi Yossi, so everything works out, it turns out that the 30th of Av was a Thursday, which is exactly what the Medrash that he quoted at the beginning said, that Moshe went up the third time on Rosh Chodesh Av, which was a Thursday. So this all fits very nicely. He came down on Yom Kippur, which was a Monday, and the whole timeline works out. But according to the Rabbanan who disagree with Rabbi Yossi, they say that Rosh Chodesh Sivan was on a Monday and the giving of the Torah was on Shabbos, the 6th of Sivan. So according to them, Rosh Chodesh Elul that year was on a Friday, not a Thursday. Because if you do the math from Rosh Chodesh Sivan on a Monday to the 30th of Av, it's going to end up being a Friday, not a Thursday. So this does not fit in with the timeline that we have. Says Tosvos, in order to explain the Medrash that Moshe went up on a Thursday, according to the Rabbanan, so we have to save a day from somewhere. So one option is to say that Moshe came down on the 17th of Tammuz and that day he burned the Egel and judged the sinners and then went right back up on that day, the 17th of Tammuz. So that was a very busy day. Moshe got a tremendous amount done that day. He started in the morning by coming down from heaven, dealt with the Egel and the sinners and then went back up on that very day. So that would save us a day instead of saying that Moshe went up on the 18th of Tammuz and came back down on the 29th of Av. So now we would say that he went up on the 17th of Tammuz, came down on the 28th of Av, and then went back up on the 29th of Av, not on the 30th of Av. In that timeline, we save a day. So he went up on the 29th of Av, which was a Thursday because the 30th was a Friday. So the day before the 29th was a Thursday. So that's one way to say it. Or the other option is that Moshe came down on the 29th of Av, meaning he went up the second time on the 18th of Tammuz, came down on the 29th of Av, and then went back up that day. So instead of staying over the night and then going back up on the 30th of Av, which was a Friday, he went up the third time that very day on the 29th of Av. And then if we say that Av was a Chodesh Chaser, it was a missing 29-day month, so the next day was Rosh Chodesh Elul, and then Moshe would come down 40 days later on Yom Kippur. So that would preserve the basic schedule that he came back down the third time with the second Luchos on Yom Kippur, which was a Monday. But then Tosos concludes that the Medrash Tanchuma seems to have a third approach to the whole timeline, because the Medrash Tanchuma says the approach that Rashi gave in Shemos, that Moshe came down the first time on the 17th of Tammuz, dealt with the Egel and the sinners on the 18th, and didn't go back up until the 19th. So if we follow that cycle of the calendar, it turns out that the third time Moshe went up in Elul is not going to be a Thursday, not according to the Rabbanan or Rebiosi, because there's not enough dates in the middle to say that Moshe ended up going up the third time on a Thursday. And perhaps even more problematically, according to the Medrash Tanchuma's calendar, he doesn't come down the third time on Yom Kippur. 
So what are we celebrating on Yom Kippur if that's not the date when he brought back the second Luchos? Unless, says Tosfos, you say that Elul that year was a full 30-day month. So then that gains us an extra day, and then it would turn out that Moshe did come down on Yom Kippur. So those are some of the ideas that Tosos discusses. Now, there is a total another tradition in how many times Moshe went up, and this is a more pshat-oriented tradition. The Ibn Ezra mentions this because the Torah never says that Moshe went up three times. It only says that he went up two times. So the Ibn Ezra is torn about this point because he likes to follow the Pashat Pshat of the Torah, and it only mentions two going up. On the other hand, the Midrashim do say that Moshe went up three times. So the Ibn Ezra vacillates on this point. In his commentary to Dvarim Yud Gimel, he writes, It seems according to the Pshat, that Moshe was only in heaven 80 days, meaning twice he went up for 40 days, not three times, which would be 120 days. And in the Pirush HaKatsar on Shmos Lamed Gimel Chaf Beis, he also refers to the Das HaKadmonim, the Midrashim that say that Moshe came down the third time on Yom Kippur. The Daiti Teidena B'Mishnah Torah. He says, but I'll tell you my view in Dvarim, which seems to be a reference to what he just said, that there were only two times that Moshe went up. On the other hand, though, the Ibn Ezra is willing to accept the tradition of the Midrashim. So in his discussion of Devarim, he ends off with the phrase, HaKabbalah that the tradition should win out. And at the beginning of that discussion, he uses the phrase, that their knowledge is broader than ours. So basically, the Ibn Ezra seems to be saying that even though he doesn't see this third time that Moshe went up explicitly, in the Torah, but if that's the tradition of the Medrash, so then he's willing to work with it. And that's how he explains in the Pirush HaKatsar in Shmos Lamedalad Beis that when the Torah says that Moshe should come back up, that's a reference to the third time and each of them was 40 days and nights. So again, this follows the view of the Medrash that Moshe went up three times. And that's also the view he takes in the Pirush HaKatsar that I mentioned before in Shmos Lamed Gimel Yudches where he explains the timeline according to the Midrashim the way Rashi explained it. So again, the Ibn Ezra is not committed to saying that Moshe only went up two times, but he does say that that is the simple reading of the Torah. Now, the Ibn Ezra in Devarim deals with the big proof of Rashi and the Ramban that Moshe in Devarim says that the third time he went up was like the first days. Now, if he was davening that time, meaning if the simple reading is that he only went up twice, so that means the second time he was begging God for forgiveness. So why is he comparing it to the first times? So the Ibn Ezra says, don't take this too literally. He doesn't mean to say that they were exactly the same, but he means to say that his second trip was successful like the first trip. Even though they were different, the first one was happier and the second one was more apprehensive, but they were both successful. So that's how the Ibn Ezra makes sense of that Pasuk according to the Pashat Pshat. Now, even though the Ibn Ezra says that he's willing to defer to the Midrashim, interestingly, there is a Medrash which agrees with the view of the Ibn Ezra. 
So the Ramban, in his discussion, quotes from the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, Perak Mem Vav, that he actually does say, like the Ibn Ezra, unlike the Seder Olam, that Moshe only went up two times. He went up the first time after Shavuos, and the second time at Rosh Chodesh Elul. But the 40 days in the middle, he stayed with the Jews the whole time. He did not go up. So according to the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, it took Moshe 40 days to deal with the aftermath of the sin of the Egel, unlike the earlier Midrashim who say that it took Moshe a couple hours or a day or two to deal with it. According to the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, it was much more drawn out. It took Moshe 40 days to deal with the sinners and what had happened and get the people back on track. And only then did Hashem tell him to come back up to heaven, which was Rosh Chodesh Elul. And the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer adds that they blew the shofar when Moshe was going up so that the people shouldn't do the same sin again and think that Moshe is not returning and do more idolatry. So they blew the shofar to tell everyone that Moshe was going up to heaven, not to commit any further idolatry. And that is the source for our custom, says the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, to blow shofar every Rosh Chodesh Elul. Now, the custom nowadays is more progressed. We blow every day of the month of Elul, but the basic source for this custom is this comment of the Medrash that they blew the shofar that first Rosh Chodesh Elul, the year after the Chet Egel, and to commemorate that, we blow shofar every Rosh Chodesh Elul. Now, the Ramban, again, disagrees with this Medrash. He prefers the other tradition, as we mentioned earlier. But now we have two traditions in the Midrashim, and this is reflected in the different commentators, did Moshe go up twice or three times? So we saw that Rashi and the Ramban prefer the view of the Seder Olam, and the Ibn Ezra suggests something along the lines of the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer. Now, the rush at the end of Rosh Hashanah is discussing the custom to blow the shofar during Elul, and he quotes this passage from the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, but he sides with Rashi and the Ramban that Moshe went up three times, not two times, so much so that he even suggests it's a misprint in the Pirkei Drebe Eliezer because he doesn't think anyone would disagree with that. So the rush is very solidly in Rashi and the Ramban's group. On the other hand, the Vilna Gaon, in his commentary on the Torah, Aderes Eliyahu, in Parshas Kisisa, so he quotes the Pirkei Drebe Eliezer, and he also points out that the Tana Debe Eliyahu in Chelek Bey's Perek Dalid also agrees agrees that Moshe only went up only twice. So now we have a second medrash, which is also recording this tradition. So it becomes hard to say that it's a misprint. And the Vilnigon prefers that tradition over the Seder Olam and Rashi. According to the Vilnigon, the Pashat Pshat of the Torah is that Moshe only went up twice. So now, according to the Vilna Gaon, all the psukim that talk about Moshe davening for the Jewish people for 40 days and nights in heaven, that all refers to the second and last time that Moshe went up. There is no middle time where Moshe went up to pray and then he went up a later time to get the second luchos. That was all one trip. Moshe went up apprehensively because Hashem was 
was angry at the Jews. He prayed for 40 days and nights and the Jews were forgiven and given the second Luchos all at the same time on Yom Kippur, which was the end of his second 40 days and nights in heaven. So that's the Vilna Gaon's preferred timeline. So there's a very important difference between the Vilna Gaon and Rashi, the Ramban, Tosvos, and the Rush. According to the majority of Rishonim, when Moshe went up the second time, he davened and Hashem agreed to give the Jews some forgiveness. And then the third time he went up in a much better place and was given the luchos and at the end of that third trip that's when Hashem gave the Jews full forgiveness on Yom Kippur. The Vilna Gaon though sees this very differently. There were only two trips. The first one was happy to get the luchos and it ended badly and then 40 days later Moshe went back up without knowing whether the Jews were going to be forgiven so this was a very difficult trip to heaven but during those 40 days, he begged Hashem for mercy and Hashem agreed to forgive the Jews and therefore he gave them the second luchos. So the second trip up was not to get the luchos, it was to beg for forgiveness, but Moshe was successful and through that forgiveness, he also got the second luchos. So it almost makes Yom Kippur more powerful on some level because it's not the final forgiveness in the process. The way we quote from the Re'aim that Moshe already knew there was some forgiveness that third time when he went up on Rosh Chodesh Elul. It just wasn't complete forgiveness until Yom Kippur. But according to the Vilna Gon, it's much sharper. When Moshe went up on Rosh Chodesh Elul, there hadn't been forgiveness and he went up to beg for forgiveness and the whole thing happened on Yom Kippur. So according to the Vilna Gaon, there's a very nice framework, which happens a lot in life. The first time Moshe went up, it was with a lot of pomp and ceremony and partying, and everyone was in a great mood, but that ended very badly. As opposed to the second time when Moshe went up quietly, and there was a lot of apprehension and nervousness, and that ended amazingly with Yom Kippur. So that's a good life lesson in general. Sometimes something starts starts off with a down mood, but it ends up unbelievable. And the flip side, unfortunately, also happens. Something that people have a lot of hope for can end up in a not good place. Now, there is another approach from the Vilna Gaon. The one we mentioned is in his commentary on the Torah, Adaras Eliyahu, but in his notes to the Seder Olam, so the Vilna Gaon wrote marginal comments, there he actually takes a different approach. Now, he agrees with the basic model that Moshe only went up two times, but in the middle, he did not go up. But here, the Vilna Gaon suggests a new twist. This is a totally new idea that in the middle 40 days, Moshe did not go up for the full 40 days, but every morning he would go up to heaven and come back in the evening and do the same thing the next day. So he did that for 40 days. He spent the night on earth, probably dealing with the fallout of the Egel, but during the day, he would go up and come back each and every day. 
So this suggestion is somewhere between Rashi and the Pirkei Drebbe Eliezer. Rashi says that Moshe went up a full three times for 40 days and nights each. The Pirkei Drebbe Eliezer says he only went up twice. And now the Vilnigon is suggesting something in the middle. That he went up twice for 40 days and nights, but then in the middle he did go up, but every day he went up and came down before nightfall. So basically the Vilnigon is trying to say, that even according to the Seder Olam, which seems to say like Rashi, that Moshe went up three times, but again, the Vilna Gon finds this very problematic because there is no indication of a third going up in the Torah. So if Moshe went up three times, why does the Torah only mention twice? So that's why the Vilna Gon prefers the version of the Pirkei Drebe Eliezer. But now he's saying, even according to the Seder Olam, which does say that Moshe went up in the middle as well, but we have to differentiate. The middle going up was not like the first and the third where he went up for 40 days straight. This one was different that he went up and came back each day. So that's why the Torah does not mention it. So that's the third option the Vilna Gon gives us. But again, it's trying to preserve that the Torah only says Moshe went up twice. Now, this would change the timeline. And that makes sense because we know the Seder Olam does have a different view of all this. But according to this option, so similar to Rashi and the Ramban, Moshe went up in the middle 40 days, whether it was for the whole 40 days or he went up each day, that's when he got some atonement. And then the third time he went up, beginning on Rosh Chodesh Elul, he knew that he was going to be getting the Luchos. Now, Reb David Luria, the Radal, wrote a very important commentary on the Pirkei Dreb Eliezer, and he was somewhat connected to the Vilna Gaon's circle. So he discusses this approach of the Vilna Gaon, and he understands what the Vilna Gaon is trying to do to read the Seder Olam in light of the Pirkei Dreb Eliezer's view. But the Radal thinks that once the Seder Olam is interpreting the Psukim about Moshe davening for 40 days as a reference to being in heaven, so that doesn't fit in with what the Vilna Gaon is saying. It sounds more like the Ramban that he went up for three 40-day periods. So the Radal is not sure that the Vilna Gaon's attempt to read the Seder Olam differently than the Rishonim really works. Now the Vilna Gaon in this comment on the Seder Olam adds in a very fascinating additional idea. And this deals with the issue that Tosos and Babakama raised. Tosos asked that according to the Medrash that Moshe went up on a third Thursday and came down on a Monday. So Rosh Chodesh Elul was Thursday and Yom Kippur that year was Monday. So it turns out that Moshe was not in heaven for a full 40 days and nights. It was missing one night when he came down on Yom Kippur. So Tosos answered that 40 days and 39 nights is okay. It doesn't have to be a full 40 days and nights. The Vilnigon suggests a different answer to this question. And the way he structures the timeline is that Thursday that year was the 29th of Av. And Moshe went up on that day, the 29th of Av. Now, that would mean that Yom Kippur, the 10th of Tishrei, was on a Tuesday. 
So according to the Vilna Gaon, that is in fact correct. Monday was the 9th of Tishrei and Tuesday was Yom Kippur. But Moshe was granted forgiveness on Monday, the 9th of Tishrei. So, so far, everyone's been assuming that Hashem finally forgave the Jews on the 10th of Tishrei, which was Yom Kippur, and Moshe then came down that day. The Vilni Gaon, though, splits it into two days, that Hashem forgave them on the 9th of Tishrei, which was Monday. So that's why Thursday and Monday are auspicious days, because Moshe went up on Thursday and was forgiven on Monday, but he didn't come down until the next day on Tuesday. Tuesday morning, which was the 10th of Tishrei, which is Yom Kippur. And the reason is because he needed to be up there a full 40 days and nights, and that didn't happen until Tuesday morning. So this approach of the Vilna Gaon now changes the whole setup. The forgiveness did not happen on Yom Kippur. It happened on the 9th of Tishrei. Now, what was significant about Yom Kippur? So the Vilna Gaon describes because Moshe came down on Yom Kippur morning, lefichach nikba botanis, therefore we established the fast of Yom Kippur on that day, the 10th, she'es ratzon, because it's a very auspicious day, shebo yarad ubisram hamakom, because that's the day when Moshe told the Jews that they were going to be forgiven. So even though the forgiveness happened the day before, Moshe only told them on the 10th of Tishrei, so that's why we commemorate that day. So that's why they established the 10th as a day to remember these events every year. So according to the Vilna Gaon, different from all these earlier commentators, the forgiveness was on the 9th, the Jews were told about it on the 10th, and the fast of Yom Kippur was established annually on the 10th. So now again, in terms of the technical details of this timeline, so the Radal in his commentary on the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer discusses it, and he points out that it doesn't exactly fit in with the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer. And the Vilna Gaon, we know, prefers the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer over the Seder Olam. So it's slightly problematic that the Vilna Gaon's approach that he records on the Seder Olam clashes with the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer. Also, the Radal raises the issue that according to this timeline, if Moshe went up on the 29th of Av, so that's not Rosh Chodesh Elul. So why are we blowing shofar on Rosh Chodesh Elul? So he quotes that Tosvos in his commentary on the Torah says that even though Moshe went up on the 29th of Av, they didn't blow shofar until the next day, which was Rosh Chodesh Elul. So they didn't blow the shofar as Moshe was going up. They blew it the next day to let everyone know that he had already gone up the day before. So that would explain why we blow shofar on Rosh Chodesh Elul, even though Moshe actually went up the day before on the 29th of Av. But those are some of the technical details. On a broad level, the Vilna Gaon in this approach, so again, the Vilna Gaon seems to have two approaches. One is strictly like the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, that Moshe only went up twice. And then there's a second approach, which is in line with the Seder Olam, but he reads it differently than the other commentators, that Moshe went up during the middle 40 days 
each morning and came back in the evening. And according to that approach, he's suggesting that the final forgiveness came on the 9th of Tishrei, on Monday, the day before Yom Kippur, which was the 10th, and that's the day that Moshe went down and told the Jews. So that's what we're actually celebrating on Yom Kippur. Now, according to that approach of the Vilna Gaon, so the Binyan Shlomo in Simon Samach Aleph, this is from Reb Shlomo HaKohen, who was one of the great Dayanim in Vilna. So he points out that according to the Vilna Gaon, there's some incredible new ideas about the whole schedule of Yom Kippur. So I'm going to go through some of his ideas connecting this discussion of the historical events surrounding Yom Kippur with our contemporary practices during the month of Elul and Yom Kippur. So first of all, he begins with this question. The custom of blowing shofar either on Rosh Chodesh Elul or during the month of Elul is because when Moshe went up on Rosh Chodesh Elul, they blew shofar. That's what the Pirkei Dreb Eliezer says. Says the Binyan and Shlomo, according to the Seder Olam and Rashi and Tosos and the Rush and the Ramban, that Moshe went up a third time in the middle on the 18th of Tammuz or the 17th or the 19th, whatever it is. So they must have blown shofar that time as well in order to tell the people not to do the sin of the Egel again. So why don't we blow shofar on the 17th or 18th or 19th of Tammuz, just like we do on Rosh Chodesh Elul? Says the Binyan Shlomo, this sounds very much like the Vilna Gaon that Moshe only went up twice. So there was no middle time that he went up. And that's why there's no custom to blow shofar in the middle of Tammuz. But then says the Binyan Shlomo, and this seems somewhat obvious, that even according to Rashi's view, it doesn't make sense to blow shofar in the middle of Tammuz, even if they blew shofar in the desert when Moshe went up to heaven, because that was not a happy going up to heaven. As we said, that was an apprehensive, pessimistic going up to heaven. So Moshe was not happy to be going up then. He was very worried. He was going up to beg for mercy. So even if they blew the shofar, it was just a practical thing that people shouldn't do idolatry. As opposed to when he went up on Rosh Chodesh Elul, where then they blew the shofar because they knew that Moshe was going to get the luchos. They knew that this was going to be a good trip. So to commemorate that, we also blow the shofar. So this is a very interesting point that according to the Vilna Gaon, they blew the shofar on Rosh Chodesh Elul to tell people not to make the same mistake. But Moshe was apprehensive when he was going up. As opposed to Rashi, who says that they blew the shofar in the desert to tell people not to make the same mistake, but they blew the shofar both on the 18th of Tammuz and on Rosh Chodesh Elul. Nowadays, we only blow on Rosh Chodesh Elul because that was a happier blowing because they knew that Moshe was going to be successful and get the second Luchos. So very interesting to think about how this debate between the Vilna Gaon and Rashi plays in to our custom to blow the shofar during the month of Elul.
Now, then the Binyan Shlomo gets into a discussion about the debate between Tosfos and the Vilna Gaon. According to Tosfos, when Moshe goes up for 40 days, it does not need to be a full 40 days and nights. It could be 39 nights. And the Vilna Gaon disagrees with this. He holds that every time Moshe goes up, it must be a full 40 days and 40 nights. So that's why the Vilna Gaon disagrees with Tosfos idea that Moshe went up on a Thursday and Yom Kippur was on a Monday and he came down that day. Because as Tosfo says, that's only 39 nights. Whereas the Vilna Gon holds that he has to have been up there for 40 nights. So that's why the Vilna Gon proposes this idea that he came down not on Monday, but on Tuesday. And the reason why Monday was auspicious is because that's the day when Hashem forgave them, but it was the ninth of Tishrei. It wasn't until the next day, after Moshe had been up there for 40 days and 40 nights, that's when he came down, and that Tuesday was the tenth of Tishrei. So this is the core debate between the Vilna Gaon and Tosfos. Does Moshe going up to heaven have to be 40 full days and nights, or it could be 39 nights? Now, part Part of the reason for this debate is because according to Tosfos, Moshe went up three times. So when the Torah says that Moshe prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, so that's a full 40 days and nights, that refers to the second time he went up when he prayed for 40 days and nights. But the third time, it was actually only 39 nights. On the other hand, the Vilna Gaon holds that Moshe only went up twice. So when the Torah says that he went up to pray for 40 days and 40 nights, that has to refer to the second time. So it cannot have been 39 nights. So that's why the Vilna Gaon says that he was up there for a full 40 days and nights, culminating on the 10th of Tishrei, which had to be a Tuesday morning. Now, the Vilna Gaon, in one of his approaches, does suggest that Moshe went up without it being a full 40 nights. But according to the Vilna Gaon, that's a totally different way that Moshe went up to heaven. He didn't go up for 40 straight days. He went up each day and came back at the end of that day. So then obviously it doesn't include 40 full nights. But according to the Vilna Gaon, if Moshe went up for 40 days straight, that also needs to include the nights. So this is a very nice debate between Tosos and the Vilna Gaon. And again, the Binyan Shlomo analyzes some of these details. He believes that this approach of the Vilna Gaon in the Seder Olam, that Moshe went up during the 40 days in the middle and came back each night, he thinks that that fits very nicely into some of the Sukkim, and it answers some of the questions that Rashi and the Ramban are trying to figure out about how to fit in these Psukim with the idea that Moshe was in heaven for the 40 days in the middle, but according to the Vilna Gaon, that he was in heaven during the day and came down to earth at night, so that makes sense of a lot of these Psukim. Now, then the Binyan Shlomo points out that the Vilna Gaon in Adaris Eliyahu seems to just side straight with the Pirkei Drab Eliezer that Moshe went up only two times, nothing in the middle. And there he thinks that the Seder Olam's timeline is incorrect. The truth is with the Pirkei Drab Eliezer that Moshe did not go up a third time at all. So why in his comments on Seder Olam is he trying to suggest this middle idea that Moshe went up 
up each day in the middle. So the Binyan Shlomo says that maybe the Vilna Gon really agrees with the Pirkei Drabi Eliezer. He's just trying to give some idea of how to read the Seder Olam, but his preference is really for the Pirkei Drabi Eliezer's approach. Now the Binyan Shlomo moves on to this point in the Vilna Gaon's analysis that Hashem forgave the Jews on the 9th of Tishrei and Moshe told them about it on the 10th of Tishrei. And he says that it seems from the Vilna Gaon's language that not only did Hashem forgive the Jews on the 9th of Tishrei, he even gave Moshe the second Luchos that day. So on the 10th of Tishrei, the only thing that happened is that Moshe informed the Jews that they had been forgiven and got the luchos, but the actual forgiveness happened on the 9th. And the Binyan Shlomo says that according to this idea of the Vilna Gaon, we can explain a number of the key rules of Yom Kippur. First of all, the Rambam holds that there is no obligation to accept Shabbos or Yom Tov early before sunset, which is in disagreement with the standard view that there is an obligation of Tosefes Shabbos to accept Shabbos before it actually starts. And we have a whole recording about this on this channel called Laws of Shabbos number seven, accepting Shabbos before sunset. But the one exception for the Rambam is that one has to begin the fast of Yom Kippur. So not the prohibition of working on Yom Kippur, but the fasting of Yom Kippur has to begin before sunset of Yom Kippur. Says the Binyan Shlomo, why according to the Rambam is there a difference between Tosefes, Shabbos, and Yom Tov, that one does not have to start Shabbos or Yantif early, and they don't even have to start the prohibited work of Yom Kippur early, only the fasting of Yom Kippur begins early. Says the Binyan Shlomo, according to the Vilna Gaon, this idea makes perfect sense, because since the actual forgiveness of Yom Kippur happened on the 9th, so we have to include some part of the ninth in the overall practices of Yom Kippur. It wouldn't make sense to only celebrate the 10th when the day before the ninth was actually the day of atonement. So that's why the Torah said, even though the primary fast is on the 10th, but you have to start it a few minutes before the 10th to include a little bit of the ninth, which is the day of atonement historically in the fast of Yom Kippur. So that's a very nice detail that makes sense according to the Vilna Gaon's approach. Second, says the Binyan Shlomo, the view of the Ramban is that one is obligated to say the vidui, the confession, before Yom Kippur starts, right as it's beginning. So again, we just did a recording on this called Confession Before Yom Kippur. And there we noted that according to the Ramban, the obligation of vidui is as Yom Kippur is beginning, and according to the Rambam, the obligation is to do it on the day of Yom Kippur. So the mitzvah of teshuva on Yom Kippur begins the day before on Erev Yom Kippur. Says the Binyan Shlomo, this of course again makes perfect sense according to the Vilna Gaon, because the actual day of atonement historically was the 9th of Tishrei. So again, it wouldn't make sense to only say Vidui on the 10th when the actual day of forgiveness was the 9th. So that's why it's important to also say Vidui on Erev Yom Kippur. Third, there is a mitzvah of the Torah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. 
Now, it's unclear what exactly the reason for this mitzvah is, and there's many different approaches and suggestions to explain the reason for that mitzvah. Says the Binyan Shlomo, according to the Vilna Gaon, there's another explanation for why there's a mitzvah to eat. Because we have to celebrate the day when Hashem actually forgave the Jewish people. So it's like all the holidays we have on the Jewish calendar, we celebrate these great moments in Jewish history. So the ninth of Tishrei is one of those great moments when Hashem forgave the Jews for the terrible sin of the Chet Egel. So we celebrate it like we do on a festive day with a meal. So that's why the Torah said to eat that day. Now, even though, as the Binyan Shlomo just said, as it gets closer to Yom Kippur, we begin the fast on the ninth of Tishrei leading into the 10th, but says the Binyan Shlomo because both of those themes are present on the ninth of Tishrei. On the one hand, it's a celebration because Hashem forgave us, so we're celebrating that. On the other hand, it's a day of repentance, so we begin the fast and the process of Teshuvah each year on that day. So this is a very beautiful analysis, and it shows how three details of the Yom Kippur rituals make sense according to the Vilna Gaon's historical timeline. And then the Binyan Shlomo concludes this tshuva and he has a summary of four different opinions as to what the dates were for the middle time when Moshe went up. So a lot of this is details. Was it the 17th or the 18th of Tammuz? And we've gone through a lot of this, but the Binyan Shlomo has a summary. And then he has a summary of four different opinions as to what the dates for the final trip were. When did Moshe should go up and come down the last time. So again, we've gone through a lot of that information, but anyone that wants to see a summary of it and some of the details of those dates, so the Binyan Shlomo goes through it. Now, I will just add to what the Binyan Shlomo says because he goes through some of the technical rituals of Yom Kippur and how they reflect the view of the Vilna Gaon. But there's also a very important conceptual and philosophical distinction between Rashi and the Vilna Gaon's understandings of the essence of the whole day of Yom Kippur. And this is a very important point that emerges from this discussion. According to Rashi, the power of Yom Kippur is that it's a day when Hashem is willing to forgive sins more so, quote unquote, than the rest of the year. Even though he's always available for tshuva, but Yom Kippur is a specially auspicious day for coming back to Hashem and being forgiven. And the reason is from that first Yom Kippur, the Jews had done a terrible sin. And according to Rashi, the way the story went was that first Moshe went up to plead their case and Hashem agreed to forgive them on some level and give them the luchos again. But interestingly, we don't really commemorate that middle trip up. That does not leave a lasting legacy. But then the third time Hashem invited Moshe to get the luchos, So now Moshe already knew that he had been somewhat successful, but he didn't know if he was going to be fully successful until Yom Kippur when Hashem agreed not only to give them the luchos, but to come back and to fully accept them. So that's what we celebrate on Yom Kippur, that tremendous power that Hashem is willing to forgive us and bring us back fully on Yom Kippur. According to the Vilna Gaon, though, the story goes somewhat differently. When Moshe went up on Rosh Chodesh Elul, he did not know whether Hashem would forgive them at all. Hashem was incredibly angry, quote unquote, and Moshe went up there to plead their case.
case. And then on the ninth of Tishrei, Hashem accepted his pleading, his prayers, and he agreed to forgive the Jews. So that was a very powerful day. And as we said from the Binyan Shlomo, that day has a lot of auspicious power in terms of atonement. But the Jews didn't know anything about this yet because Moshe had to stay another night before he could go down. So the Jews were still waiting on earth and they had no idea whether their forgiveness was going to be accepted at all until Moshe came down on Tuesday morning, the 10th of Tishrei. And now he told them that Hashem accepted their forgiveness. So that was an incredibly significant day because now the Jews realized that they were going to be able to continue having this relationship with Hashem. So that is what we're celebrating that the Jews found out to their great relief that their repentance and their prayers had now been accepted and that's what we celebrate annually. So there's a little bit of a different emphasis between Rashi and the Vilna Gaon on the day of Yom Kippur. According to Rashi, it was not a day when they first found out that they were going to be saved. They already knew that before Rosh Chodesh Elul. It was the day when Hashem is willing to fully forgive. As opposed to according to the Vilna Gaon, the point of Yom Kippur is that it's the day that the Jews finally found out for the first time that they would be forgiven. So that's the day that we celebrate for all time, the day when the Jews knew that their relationship with Hashem would continue. And it's interesting, according to the Vilna Gaon, we're not even celebrating the actual day of atonement when Hashem actually decided to forgive them. That's the day before. What we celebrate is the day that the Jews found out that their relationship with Hashem was permanent. It was not going to change and fall apart because of a sin, but their relationship would continue no matter what. And that ultimately is the power of Yom Kippur, that a person can stray, people get off track for all sorts of reasons, and people find themselves distant from Hashem. And the power of Yom Kippur is that knowledge that no matter what sins we did, no matter how off track we are, Hashem always summons us back. He himself comes down in order to bring us back to him. And there's no such thing as someone that sinned too much or is too sidetracked to be able to continue their relationship with Hashem. So that's the ultimate meaning of Yom Kippur. So while Rashi and the other Rishonim focus on the power of Yom Kippur for forgiveness, and very often that has to do with specific sins. A person looks at the specific sins that they did, they go through them and they repent and they want to be better. So the process of Yom Kippur is looking at specific sins and how we can be better and get atonement for them. As opposed to the Vilna Gaon, who looks at this on a broader level as a day that reflects our ongoing permanent relationship with Hashem. It's not so much about the specific sins. Of course, that is part of what we do. We go through an inventory of how we did this past year and what we can do better, and we have to do teshuva. But the ultimate significance of the day is the lesson that there is an unbreakable bond between us and Hashem, and no sin is going to come in the way of that. We always come back to Hashem each year 
and he wants to take us back and continue that relationship. So it's a day that reflects a broader message, even though, of course, that includes teshuva on specific sins, but it also celebrates the ongoing permanent relationship that we have with Hashem, no matter what happens. So according to the Vilna Gaon, this is a very powerful vision for Yom Kippur, and it's interesting just to tie this in, because the Vilna Gaon has a similar idea when it comes to Sukkot, and this idea is developed at length and beautifully by Rabbi David Cohen in his Sefer Zman Simchasenu on Sukkot. So a lot of the Sefer is devoted to expanding on the Vilna Gaon's beautiful insight about Sukkot, but the key idea, according to the Vilna Gaon, is that the Anane HaKavod came back on Sukkot, and that was a sign not only that Hashem forgave the Jews, but that he loved them and that he wanted to continue his relationship with them at the same power that it had been before the sin of the Egel. So these two ideas tie in very nicely. The Vilna Gaon sees the whole process of the Tishrei holidays not as focused on specific sins and bettering ourselves in a specific way, but as teaching a much broader lesson that the relationship between us and Hashem is permanently solid. Hashem will forgive and Hashem will continue to love us regardless of whatever failures and mistakes we've made that we feel like are holding us back. And according to the Vilna Gaon, there's a line between Yom Kippur and Sukkot that both holidays develop this idea very powerfully. Yom Kippur teaches us that the relationship with Hashem continues even after a sin, and that's what the Jews found out on the 10th of Tishrei. And then Sukkot teaches us that once we repent and come back to Hashem, He continues to love us as if we never sinned.